0: To tell Jack about the dowry. Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour.
1: Welcome back to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm your host, Chris Mosier, and joining me today, a bunch of the usual folks, including Managing Director Brett Isaacs, Digital Manager Sam Gonzalez, President Ed Espinoza, and a little unusual for the very first time, everybody say hi to Emily Clark. She's our new communications associate.
2: Hi, Emily. Hey. Hi, hi Emily. Good to be
3: here.
1: So glad to have uh, you know new blood here, uh, and definitely uh, representing, I would. is it fair to say, the youngest person on the podcast? Is that fair to say? I don't want to judge or, or assume anything. I've been
0: usurped. So, uh, yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we have more Gen Z than Z now. It happens to the best <laughs> of us, Brad, I'm afraid.
1: So here we are. It is time to discuss, uh, I think, a presentation of Texas politics that was seen by almost no one. I would say, statistically, <laughs> just about nobody. Uh, Friday night football is going on. Friday night dinner is going on. Friday night relaxing from the week is going on. Not too many people outside of the wonkiest of the wonky watch the Beto Work greg Abbott debate. I would say that all five of us are sufficiently wonky to have seen it. And uh, so we're here to uh, provide a service for the rest of you out there who may not have seen it with a bit of a play-by-play and some of the, uh, the major moments from the debate. Uh, however, we do want to get into... Uh, something really quick before we get to this, something that's happened lately uh, very much on this topic. Uh, Brett Isaacs, I'm going to ask her to uh, weigh in on the true political impact of the endorsement of Beto O'Rourke by one Harry Styles at the Moody Center at the UT campus the other day. What does this mean for Beto's campaign?
0: This is like two of my favorite things in the entire world. Harry Styles, (laughs) politics, politics, and then also like Democratic challengers in Texas. Ugh, I could not have asked for a better situation. So obviously I'm thrilled. <laughs> I mean, that kind of is very clear. Anytime I get to talk about Harry Styles, which has now become like a feature on this podcast, <laughs> I'm thrilled. The thing is, I told Chris before we started the podcast that I would have a hot take and I plan to deliver. My hot take is that not only is this not like, it's nothing really more than a newsy gimmick. But also, I've been kind of pissed about some of the takes I've seen online, especially by people whose opinions I really respect. Um, I'm not going to call her out by name, but one commentator activist who I really respect tweeted something like, Harry Styles will turn Texas blue. And that really annoyed me, because I was like, this man is not even a voter in the state of Texas. I'm thrilled that he used his platform to you know, endorse Beto, even though it wasn't like actually an endorsement. I honestly take back that wait
1: credit. a minute it was totally yeah. an endorsement 100% okay, whatever. Endorsement.
0: maybe endorsement like he had a sticker on his guitar he basically just promoted Beto you know he said I guess that is an endorsement
1: pretty much pretty whatever much.
0: anyway the point is that even if he did endorse Beto giving credit to I'm sorry like another white man when the people on the ground who have been doing the work to turn Texas blue for a long time go ignored rings hollow to me. And I know that a lot of people understand that, but I don't appreciate the elevation of this as like a game changing moment when in reality, like it's important, it's fun, I love it, but it I don't want it to draw attention away from the people doing the work.
5: I did not see this coming. A Harry Styles take that Brett is unhappy with. Let wow. me be
0: clear. Let me be Criticism clear. Criticism of this Harry Styles me- from a woman. No, 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 Brett no, no. Isaacs. You watch your mouth. You watch <laughs> your mouth. Okay? This is not me critiquing Harry Styles. Like in so many instances, this is me critiquing a lot of the reaction to mm. what happens around people I respect. You know, it's not always like, it's not his fault the way people are interpreting it but I don't appreciate the interpretation.
5: Who will be the next Harry Styles super fan at Progress Texas? I, I did not see the dethroning coming.
0: <laughs> Wha- you watch yourself,
5: sir. You, you are know what?
0: skating on thin ice. Right
1: now. <laughs> this does represent, however, a major, major pop culture um, coverage for Beto that was not present there before. And I think we all understand, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, we're all very politically engaged and wonky and we're paying attention to what's happening. There are so many people, I would venture to guess a ton of Harry Styles fans out there who are not near as politically engaged as we are. Up until the other night, up until there suddenly is this guy with the sticker on the guitar. I promise you there are many, many young Harry Styles fans who are of voting age now who maybe weren't that interested before, who are now at least aware of who Beto is and are, are surely curious about why he would be endorsed by Harry Styles. Yeah,
0: I see your point. You know, I do think that there are other instances of celebrities getting involved in politics that maybe are a little bit it maybe matter more in context. I'm thinking in particular of Beyonce, you know, uh, sent out an Instagram post or a tweet with her wearing a Beto shirt in 2018, and she's actually from Houston. So I'm not, you know, c- trying to compare apples and oranges. Again, it's a net good that like Harry Styles, you know, the Harry Styles, formerly of One Direction, um, <laughs> well, you know, now international rock star.
5: Maybe it's just that the whole world doesn't like Greg Abbott. We could look at it that way. It could very exactly. well be that. It could
1: sure I, be I, that,
5: for
4: sure. I, I, I mean, because look at Harry Styles, you know, <laughs> Harry Styles was doing some late nine talking. And as it was, he was like, look, the story of my life says I should support Beto. And he says, look, Beto, I adore you. And that's what makes you beto
0: Sam, this
3: is <laughs> oh
4: the
0: God. greatest thing. Like, these are the greatest words you've ever said one after another. Well done. Sam
1: has a motive there that Harry Styles fans yeah. are going to pick out the rest yep. of his no, no,
4: that's called a deep cut for the yeah, folks. Uh, very good. Very, very good work. Uh, a watermelon sugar. <laughs>
1: I would say perhaps that the Harry Styles endorsement, as we get back to what we were here, what we've gathered to talk about, which of course is a recap of the debate. I would say that the Harry Styles endorsement may have had a greater impact for the Beto campaign than the debate did, considering that hardly anybody saw it. But that's what we're here to fix. We're here to go through some of the primary topics and some of the major talking points that were hit during the debate by both Beto and Governor Greg Abbott to kind of see how we thought they did. You know, was there a net gain? Was there a net loss? Just to kind of kick it around and just that you've been exposed to some of the things that were said uh, in the debate this last friday night Uh, and we're rolling from some some audio here from the debate Uh, we've got five topics we're going to cover immigrant busing guns abortion teachers and housing and revenue let's start off with the uh the discussion on immigrant busing
2: governor i want to talk to you you talked about uh migrants and the busing of migrants many migrant advocates and democratic elected officials have expressed concerns about the treatment of migrants being bused from texas to other states and cities here's new york mayor eric adams talking about that just last week
0: and when we reached out to governor abbott and stated can we coordinate can we identify you
2: know
6: who's traveling here that we don't have to guess this they refuse to do so
2: the white house has called this a political stunt governor abbott is this a political stunt And has there been coordination with the states and cities these migrants are being taken to? And if not, why not?
6: Mayor Adams has never called my office, never talked to anybody uh, in in my administration. Uh, And so what he's saying is just flat out false. And in my
7: time working with law enforcement, working with state and federal partners, we were able to help make El Paso, Texas, one of the safest cities in the United States of America. It's because we were looking at solutions instead of these stunts. I just want to remind everyone, this guy's been governor for eight years, and this is where we are today. Some of the worst levels of engagement encounters, fentanyl trafficking, and human smuggling that we've seen. That's Mr. the Robert, result of stunts instead of solutions. The,
4: and as expected, Governor Abbott just having to scramble for some sort of excuse for this like terrible, terrible practice he's been doing. Uh, I, I do the social media for Progress Texas, and you've noticed, I do a lot about the migrant busing because in my opinion, it's just so egregious of just like exploitation of people. And so when he was talking about uh, has uh, Eric Adams, the New York city mayor has never called my office, never talked to anybody in my administration. Well, from the Texas Tribune who did a fact check, Adams press secretary Fabian Levy told the Texas Tribune that Adams office reached out to a member of Abbott's administration and they spoke on the phone on August 1st about alerting Adams staff before migrants arrived to New York. And there was several follow-ups that went on beyond that time. And Abbott didn't get in contact because it was never about taking care of the migrants. It was always about using them as political pawns. It was always about making sure that was, there was disarray in these cities that could definitely support them, but just needed to know that they were coming or where they were going. That's all they needed. And Abbott refused to do that. And he, and he's over here saying, well, nobody contacted me. Just
5: straight up lying. And and the proof is there. And let's let's just bottom line it. He was asked the question and he lied. Right. Yeah, and it, he the, lied. and that's, why, that's why he wanted a debate on a Friday night with no audience, when nobody was watching. By the way, I did not watch this debate live because I had other stuff to do, but that meant I had to get up early and watch it this morning before this podcast. But uh, but he just, he lied. And that's what his whole border stunt thing is based on is a lie. Mm-hmm.
0: It's His response was like, you know, governor abbott you're accused of you know pushing someone on the train tracks and you know as a result they died And he's like well no one ever told me that it was wrong to push someone on the train tracks it's like get a grip dude like that's not how this works he's like well they never reached out to me you're the one who put them on buses at taxpayer expense and sent them to a different state entirely like this is not something you're the one who has to coordinate if it's your initiative you have to take the initiative and that's how we know this wasn't in good faith even though we've always known that. It's just a reminder.
4: And then uh, earlier on your tweet, um, both of your guys' tweets, you, Brett, uh, and Emily, uh, talking about um, Operation Lone Star, about how it needed $0 of further funding to make sure the border was secure. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. Um, basically, when Abbott was asked how much he sp- should be spending on Operation Lone Star, he responded $0. And just a reminder, he spent $4 billion on this initiative so far. God. And migration has not been curbed. It's actually increased since he started the plan. So yeah, I don't know what he expected to happen by answering that, but.
0: That increase is as part of a broader trend that Republicans are trying to milk for their own benefit. So it's not like Operation Lone Star has by itself increased migrant crossings, but it certainly hasn't helped. And it's been incredibly detrimental for the people actually involved in the project. And we'll talk more about this more, I'm sure, especially when we talk about mental health. But um, yeah, a lot of this is like the theme that I am going to continue bringing up throughout this entire podcast that was very noticeable in the debate is that it reminded me of Trump's performance in 2020 debates, not exactly for the reason you might think, but more because Abbott was acting as if he was the challenger, not the incumbent. He's acting rather, like rather than he has a record to run on, that he has to you know, pull these stunts so that he can usurp the establishment. He is the establishment. So something like this is a very clear attempt for him to try and wiggle out of a policy that he wants the good credit for, which DeSantis is getting, and doesn't want the bad blame for, which he really should be getting.
5: He, he always talks about how the border is really dangerous, but it's always been his safe place, right? Because when he gets into political trouble, the first thing he does is run to the border and talk about how bad it is.
1: The whole thing, of course, is a manufactured uh, situation on the part of both Abbott and DeSantis. Let's remember that DeSantis had to come to Texas to find migrants to send to Martha's um, Vineyard. So it's, they, they want their base to see them doing these horrible things. And what does that say about the Republican base, that they're turned on by their leaders doing horrible things? That's so right. Let's just, let's just have it there. Uh, let's move along, though. We've got four more topics to cover. Uh, here's what was discussed uh, during the, uh, the Abbott and Beto debate on guns.
6: To be clear, that's a call to raise the age limit to buy an AR-15 style weapon from 18 to 21. Uh, Governor Abbott, you say this can't be done in Texas. Mr. O'Rourke, you say it will be done if you're elected. Can you please explain your positions? Let's start with you, Governor Abbott. You have 60 seconds. So any attempt uh, to try to to raise the age is going to be met uh, with it being overturned. So we need to get to the bottom of what is really ailing our communities and that is the mental health that is leading people to engage in school shootings. And Texas is already addressing that. Because it's been 18 weeks
7: since their kids have been killed and not a thing has changed in this state to make it any less likely that any other child will meet the same fate. All we need is action. And the only person standing in our way is the governor of the state of Texas. In Florida, after the Parkland shootings, it was 23 days for that Republican governor to raise the age. And in those states where the age has been raised, mass shootings are down 80%. So yes, we can raise the age to 21. And as governor, I'll bring Republicans and Democrats around the table to do that.
5: All right, so th- this is the kind of thing that just makes me wanna pull my hair out when I hear him talk about guns, because, uh God, like, okay. So it, there was a debate about raising the age to buy an AR-15 uh, from 18 to 21. And it started with a clip of one of the surviving Uvalde kids saying, I don't understand why you have to be 21 to buy beer, but you don't have to be 21 to buy an assault rifle. And the thing is like, Greg Abbott will come up with every excuse to not do something about this. And it's such, he has such a long record of inaction on guns. And the question I always ask, whether I'm on the air debating somebody on a TV station or whether I'm in the paper or just talking to people about this, I always say, the odds are that there will be another mass shooting in this country. What will we do to prevent it between now and then? And this guy literally is doing nothing. And there's, there's another clip that they asked about that we, we did not play this clip, but there's a couple other things in there. One was they said, You've called to the governor, they said, You've called special sessions for everything. Why haven't you called special sessions for this? And his answer was, We don't need a special session on this. Well, yeah, if you don't feel like doing anything, I guess you don't need a special session on it. And then the other thing, this is the last thing I'll say, they always default to mental health, but it's such a small percentage of what's happening here. And then when it comes to funding mental health, they don't do anything about that either. It's so incredibly frustrating and it's a perfect, it perfectly encapsulates Republican thinking on policy and reality, which is that their policy is not based in reality.
0: Yeah, I was about to say Republicans have no thinking on policy and reality. Right. like right. But um, the only thing, not the only thing. One thing I want to just tack on to what you said, Ed, is you said that um, Greg Abbott has done nothing to make the situation better in terms of you know create like rectifying the situation. But he's made things worse because oh, yeah. it was under his administration last Absolutely. year, when they passed the bill that um, made it so that folks don't need to get a license in order to carry a gun, like right. the Uvalde shooter got his military-grade weapons legally. And Abbott is just completely absolving himself from responsibility and continuing to just parrot these hollow words about how much he cares about the families and how sad he is when we know he doesn't care.
5: Well, you know, Brett, actually that reminds me, there was one other thing he said, which is like, oh, I've done lots of things. He's like, I made it a felony to lie on a background check. Well, we don't require background checks in Texas. So when will anyone ever have to lie on one? Wow. Right. I hadn't thought of that. That's totally true. Wow, that's
4: <laughs> nice. Right. And, and the way he phrased the response, which was, well, I can't do anything constitutionally. So my hands are tied. Sorry. I'm just going to gloss over that entire form of government that we could actually do something where Beto's like, yeah, other governors have done it. I'm going to do it. The fact that he's just like, oh, I can't do it. Sorry, it's going to get overturned. Because you overturn it and your people
5: overturn it, you fool. Yeah. It like, didn't stop him from attacking abortion, which was protected constitutionally up until a few months ago. Right. It's it's like, oh, no, my, this, these bad guys here. Oh,
4: my God. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> oh, I was going to say it didn't stop him from passing anti-voter laws either, even though right. those will always end right. up in court. Right. right. Uh, don't worry about
4: it, guys. Don't worry about it. It's going to get wrapped up. No one's even going to try. We shouldn't even try. Like, this is this is really
1: close to the whole it could have been worse thing for him to say yeah. we don't we don't need a special session well if you guys can remind me we've been actively involved with a whole bunch of special sessions over the last couple of years can you guys recall some of the things that were important enough to call the lawmakers back to austin to discuss
6: yeah
0: abortion voter suppression yeah anti-trans legislation tons of things tons of things
1: that were clearly way more important than you know 21 dead people at uvalde and that's just you know the just that the that most recent incident let's keep on uh let's keep on going here painful as it is so far here uh third topic of five from the uh, bettel work and greg abbott debate
6: is on abortion
8: i still want to know is plan b the alternative when it comes to somebody who is pregnant from rape or incest
6: well it depends on what you mean by alternative an alternative obviously uh is uh, to uh, do what we can to assist and aid uh, the victim, uh, and that is to help get them medical assistance that they need uh, and the care that they need, but also uh, to know what their options are. They're gonna uh, to know that uh, the, the state uh, through al- our Alternatives to Abortion Program provides living assistance, baby supplies, all kinds of things that can help them. Also, we've increased funding for prenatal and postpartum care. Thank
8: you, Governor.
7: This election is about reproductive freedom. If you care about this, you need to turn out and vote. I will fight to make sure that every woman in Texas can make her own decisions about her own body, her own future and her own health care. And I will work with the legislature and my fellow Texans to return us to the standard that Texas women won in the first place, Roe versus Wade. That's the standard that answers your question.
3: Um, well, first off, okay, everything that Greg Abbott said is, like, the most insensitive thing I've ever heard towards survivors of abuse. Um, like, when I heard him speak, I'm pretty sure everyone who watched could agree with this. Like, I was shaking. If I, if I had boots on, I would say I was shaking in my boots because that was the worst thing I've ever heard. Um, a tweet from Val Texas kind of captures what I was thinking and that Abbott's comments are not only grossly disrespectful of survivors of abuse, they also show how disconnected he is from reality and the lived experience of survivors. He always talks about rape and incest as some like theoretical thing. This is things actual Texans face every day. Plan B is not a viable option just because Greg Abbott says it is. Like it's whatever survivors of abuse say it is. And if it's abortion for them, it's abortion for them. And he should not be taking that option away from people.
0: I also just want to point out that as egregious as Abbott's um, comments are, and we could you know, spend literally a million years on how horrible that man is, I really don't like how the moderator asked that question. It doesn't feel like a good faith question where she says, is plan B an, an alternative to abortion? I don't like how she set that up, but what I did appreciate was how Beto said this election is about reproductive freedom. I think yeah. that was great messaging. I think he really put, you know, he he was on his game right there and it was so much more calm, measured, kind and coherent than Abbott's bullshit malicious rambling.
1: It's yeah. wild that he, he wants to talk about, well, I want I want people to know what their alternatives are. And the fact of the matter is, the alternative is there are no alternatives. If you're in Texas forced birth. And, and you find yourself pregnant, you're going to have a child, whether you want to or not.
5: And one of the things that's very frustrating about this conversation uh, that Republicans have around this issue is that they talk about adoption so much. Adoption is not an alternative if you do not have a viable pregnancy. Or if you have an ectopic pregnancy, or if you have any other kind of issue where th- this cannot be carried to term, and conflating abortion and adoption as as somehow connected to each other, where where one is an option of the other, is is completely removed from the realities that people deal with when they're going through pregnancies.
0: Yeah, just to you know put a finer point on that, Ed, like this conversation that abbott was having on stage was about the very 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 beginning which is plan b and the very very end which is adoption nothing about it, the middle you know if your circumstances change and you no longer want to be pregnant if you literally are your life is in danger because of your pregnancy he's saying nothing about this entire nine months that a person lives through while they are pregnant and instead is like well if you don't catch it immediately or you know you're not putting your child up for adoption, then prenatal vitamins, like, here you go.
4: Right, and, and that was the thing that, well, first of all, on the exterior, which was he didn't want anybody in the audience for this debate, because, Emily, you said you were shaking in your boots? He Obviously, was shaking in his boots. Absolutely. He, he was saying, um, and ah, uh, and ooh, and e and ah, uh, uh, because he did not know how to give a straight <laughs> answer to this question, and the other thing that he said that really irritated me was, I wanna give them the proper health care." In terms of like birthing, I guess he and his intention, but the proper healthcare is everything leading up in between, like you said, Brett. If you really want to commit to the promise of, I want to give you proper health care, abortion is health care. We've been saying it because it's the truth. We're also the least
5: insured state in the union. Like, right. if he cared about health care, you he would have done something. And we're in the done middle something. of a
0: maternal mortality crisis. Like, exactly. As, 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 which Beto <laughs> pointed out, by the way, he had some good ass responses to Abbott. And I give him full credit. His team did a great job prepping him for this exact question because he was ready.
3: Well, I imagine Beto Beto's coming from listening to the experiences of pregnant people and survivors, whereas Abbott's just speaking out of his ass and just saying what he thinks, which he doesn't understand what's actually happening. He said at the end, I'm speaking from
4: my principles is what he said, which is like, how about your voters? How about your voters thoughts and, and wants and needs and rights?
0: Well, Beto's the only one out of the two of them who's actually been talking to the voters. Abbott's exactly. been hiding in his freaking ivory mansion.
1: Beto did go to the place where I think, uh, I, I think we're hoping the effect of this entire uh, thing that's gone down since the... Uh, threatening and overturning of Roe v. Ro Wade, which is greater turnout for people who are very concerned about this particular issue. And I would go back also to, let's let's revisit Harry Styles for just a moment there, Brett. Uh, even Bless. before before he brought out Beto, he had been <laughs> making remarks during his shows. He did six shows here in Austin. He had been making remarks about Texas. Don't let anybody do anything with your body that you don't want them to do. Take control over you. He, he has been advocating, without being super direct about it, has absolutely been talking about I feel like this is the this is probably the 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 core of his interest in Beto is the fact that this issue is on the table at this point
5: Chris how many how many Harry Styles concerts did you go to in Austin
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I actually I, I I'm glad I have a moment to say this I had a ticket but I gave it up for the 14 year old daughter of one of my friends who I thought would have a lot more fun than I would have so I could have gone but I didn't out of the
0: kindness
4: I'm right
5: here
0: just say you hate me and be
5: Sorry, done Brett. with it Sorry, Brett. No, I, I thought not. Brett that's was the 14-year-old daughter you were talking about. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. I didn't want to go to the Wonka chocolate factory either, Chris.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. golden ticket. All right. This is not what I brought Harry Styles back up for. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> let's keep continuing here. Uh, fourth of our five topics from the uh, Betor Work and Greg Abbott debate the other night is uh, teachers and education.
8: Texas school districts are hampered by an unprecedented teacher retention crisis. A Texas teacher workforce report reveals there were more than 13,000 new teachers in Texas for the start of the 2010-2011 school year. Okay, look at that number. Flash forward to the 2019-2020 school year. Less than half of those teachers remained. Former teachers cited everything from pay to burnout to safety as problems. Educators watching tonight, 15 seconds or less, are you going to give them a pay raise if you are reelected?
6: Yes. We Just as we have given them a pay raise in the past, we will continue those pay raises going forward.
7: He's been governor for eight years. They're still underpaid $7,500 okay. against their national counterparts.
8: Per I'm people you, funding. Let me, let me give you 15 seconds. Down. Go ahead.
7: So,
1: you know, the problem with, uh, as that was just pointed out there, with the the numbers that we're seeing on, you know, dismal retention rates for teachers in Texas, is because it's a really, really hard and increasingly dangerous and terribly paid job. Uh, people who teach school in Texas are there because they are called to it, because it's something that they feel is important. It's a, it's a, a job that they can do to contribute to their communities and to uh, to bring young people forward into the world. And it's a, it's a it should be a, a terrifically honorable profession. In Texas, not only do we pay them terribly, we also subject them to what we were talking about before, the, the, the terror of a situation like Uvalde, uh, failure to back them up even in just the most basic uh, uh, disciplinary uh, situation. It's really, really hard, hugely long hours, very tough job, damn near thankless. I'm surprised more teachers don't leave, in fact, here in Texas. And I really do hope that that Beto will follow through with what he said he's going to do and and back our teachers up here in Texas, should he be elected.
5: Two important things to tack on to what you're saying, Chris. And by the way, everything you're saying is right. First of all, I don't think the state gave teachers raises. I think they gave them a one-time $5,000 bonus, which is very nice to have. I would love to have a $5,000 bonus. I think teachers absolutely deserve it. But if that's one time, that's nothing to build on the next year and that doesn't guarantee it's coming the next year. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that we don't have a shortage of people who want to be teachers, right? There are still people who are committed to the idea of, of teaching. They just don't feel that Texas is the place where they can do it and thrive or even survive in many ways it really is sad
1: in that way for sure and uh i i do believe that a a a large part of uh teacher pay comes from individual districts and i think austin has done a fairly good job you know this is where we live and so we're up close with it and so You know, there are things like Robin Hood, there are all sorts of problems, though, that even the most well-meaning and supposedly well-funded districts, you know, have a, especially Austin in particular, are very much anchored by the, uh, the Robin Hood situation.
4: Yeah. Right. And the thing that Beto kept bringing up throughout the debate, or at least throughout that segment, was talking about teachers having second and third jobs to subsist. and. I can understand a second job conceptually in my brain. It's like, oh yeah, they might have to have a second job. I don't want that of course, but a second and third job, which means they probably run into enough people on the campaign trailer that have had to have a third job to part-times and then be a teacher, for trying to teach students, trying to get them on the right path with all sorts of restrictions about what books they can read, all sorts of restrictions about what, uh, what they can wear, what their hair can wear, how they wear their hair, all these little stupid ticky tacky things, I wouldn't wanna do it either. If I can't even make a living going through the struggles, why would I, why would I even try as much as I love the kids? As much as I love teaching, why would I even try at that point? And and he's intentionally doing this. Let's let's go ahead and be clear. He wants to make public schools obsolete. He wants to make them shitty because he wants all these voucher things to make his buddies rich, or what? I don't know. It's usually making his buddies rich. I I don't even know. But it just seems to be like he's sabotaging it and saying, "Well, there's nothing I can do about it." Once again, there's nothing we can do about it. It's like you could do so much about it.
0: The thing is though that you know we can use this language all we want and we can say Abbott's sabotaging the teachers but in truth he's not sabotaging them he's directly attacking them because what we haven't even talked about is covid and the fact that teachers just had to go through an entire pandemic with very little support from the government texas was the texas government was completely MIA during the pandemic i often would kind of joke with very dark humor with my friends in other states they'd be like how are you doing with covid down in texas i was like what's that we've never heard of it down here right but right. so teachers just went through a whole pandemic i'm sure there were many who i'm so sorry to say like lost their lives or are no longer you know can go into school because they may be immunocompromised. And then- Many, many people. Exactly. We leave 2020. We go into 2021 and the Republican Party is actively attacking teachers and schools under this phony CRT banner that, you know, when we actually break down, makes no sense. So this is not just a sabotage or, you know, lack of action on his part. This is intentionally attacking teachers, ensuring that they don't have a living wage and making sure that their jobs are miserable.
5: And one of the things they're trying to do is is defund public education. You know, they talk so much about defunding; they're really trying to defund public education to push people either towards private schools or towards charter schools, because that is their ideological bend—is to take them that way. And one of the things we haven't even gotten to, Brett, I'm glad you mentioned uh, critical race theory (CRT). But early over the summer, we did an episode on teachers. Chris, you uh, you anchored that one for us, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was on all of the the craziness the teachers and school boards have to put up right now with, it, with screaming parents coming in at them. They're almost always anti-maskers coming in and talking about book bans and all these other things just to make it worse. And then on top of all this, this is somewhat separated, but I don't know why they don't take more heat for this because when you attack public schools in Texas, you attack high school football. How sure are people do. not making that co- How are they not making that connection?
0: Because Republicans are fantastic at separating the education from the like sports both mentally and financially. They do it all the time at the university level, at the high school level and all these ways. So yes, they're starving public schools, but I'm sure they're taking pains to ensure that football is not going anywhere.
1: We should, uh, we should mention that uh, this is where the fight is, folks. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a motivated, progressive person, this this level, the school the school board level, in terms of not only people who are attending these meetings, but also people who are running for these positions on these school boards, this is where, in Texas, a lot of the uh, the, the true battle is being engaged politically uh, yeah. in the Lone Star State. So definitely be, you know, moving forward even beyond this election, definitely a place that you want to be watching out for. Yes, Brett.
0: I also just want to, you know bookend that comment by saying that if you're a young person and you don't have children, you need to still vote in school board elections. It's incredibly important. I know there can be a lot of political burnout. And people say, well, I don't know if I have a right to weigh in on this conversation. It doesn't affect me directly. That's not how this works. It does affect you. It affects your community. It affects what the future generations are being taught. This is definitely an election you should always pay attention to. Please do not skip it.
5: I have friends who don't have kids and they show up to school board elections and they're like, yeah, I vote in all the school board elections, especially when there's a bond on the ballot. I just go and I vote yes on all the bonds.
1: Good job. <laughs> Good job. That's why you need to do it. So uh, yeah. let's continue our, our fifth and final topic from the uh, Beto Work and Greg Abbott debate the other
7: night is housing and revenue.
2: How will you get those proposals through a Republican controlled legislature? 30 seconds.
7: Republicans and Democrats alike across this state wanna make sure that we reduce property taxes. I think we all have a vested interest in that outcome. They also agree on common sense bipartisan solutions. Expanding Medicaid, all that means is getting $10 billion back of our federal income taxes to this state to reduce our property taxes. Why Greg Abbott has not done it when every border state has is BEYOND ME. MAKING SURE THAT WE LEGALIZE MARIJUANA SO WE never, NO LONGER SPEND HALF A BILLION DOLLARS LOCKING PEOPLE UP AND FORGO ANOTHER HALF BILLION DOLLARS IN REVENUE AGAIN MAKES NO SENSE. THANK YOU. LET'S sir. LEGALIZE MARIJUANA. WE, and we, we NEED TO
2: MOVE ON BECAUSE I WANT TO MAKE SURE that WE GIVE THE GOVERNOR A CHANCE TO ANSWER MY NEXT QUESTION. YOUR CAMPAIGN TEAM HAS seen, SAID SINCE TAKING OFFICE PROPERTY TAXES HAVE BEEN REDUCED BY $18 BILLION. YET THOSE REDUCTIONS HAVE NOT kept PACE WITH RISING PROPERTY VALUES THAT INCREASE THE TAXES HOMEOWNERS PAY. How do you solve this problem without
6: introducing additional revenue streams? You have 30 seconds. Sure, so one way that we have reduced property taxes is through those homestead exemptions. Uh, Another way that we've done it is by buying down uh, the property tax rate at the school district level. And what I propose to do with this $13.5 billion, if not more, is to drive down those property tax rates even further. My goal is to eliminate the school property tax that's imposed in the state of Texas so that people can genuinely own their own home without being taxed out of it.
0: So as y'all just heard, we're talking about property taxes, which can be a very it, taxing, in general, can be a complicated issue, and I, I'm sure we're going to get into ins and outs, but we'll try and keep the conversation you know, at a level where we can all participate. But I think the main thing I just want to mention is that PolitiFact did a check on this question, and one of the biggest takeaways is that the governor's role in reducing property taxes is actually very indirect. So I'm not entirely sure why the moderators chose to include this topic, because for one, I mean, personally and selfishly, this was kind of where Abbott felt, found his stride. He was stumbling throughout the entire debate, especially even around immigration, which was surprising to me. But this in this area, he actually was you know coming up with answers better than I would have liked him to. But the governor's role in property tax reduction is indirect. So it's a little convoluted, but basically my takeaway from this is that Beto is correct that inflation has been rising under Abbott. And I don't know why Abbott's claiming credit for reducing property taxes when that the homeowners really haven't seen that much of a relief and that isn't really his forte.
5: But I think the reason the moderators brought this up is because housing is an enormous issue in Texas. We do not have enough supply It has gotten very expensive. We are what you would call a property tax state, meaning there's no caps on the property tax. Uh, And a lot of people are feeling the pinch because when you don't have a lot of housing, your homes go up in value. That's great if you're selling it and moving somewhere else, but if you're staying in the house, you have to pay on the gains that that house has made, even if you personally haven't realized those gains. Uh, Look, the homestead exemption is something that is a, a, a small saving grace for people. For those of us who are renters, we we need a little bit more than that, right? Because that's the kind of thing that does not trickle down. Um, I think what Beto was getting at in his in his part was that if we take if we expand Medicaid and take ten billion dollars of our tax dollars back to the state from the federal government back to the state, that can put more money in the state budget to offset property taxes. If we legalize marijuana, that is a revenue generating uh, thing that can also offset property taxes. And when you offset property taxes, you make it a little bit more affordable for everybody, including the homeowners and the renters. But for some reason, Abbott is opposed to both of those things. I I don't know. I think that his talking points sound good at first. The problem is they just, they're they're empty. They don't really, there's there's no there there.
0: Sounding good, though, is key. I mean, especially when he was stumbling for the first half of the first majority of the debate. I think that this was unfortunately a moment where he found his stride. And even if even if I agree that they are ringing hollow and again, he's trying to, you know, kind of push this narrative that he's not the incumbent, that he hasn't been in eight powers for eight powers, that he hasn't been in power for eight years. Um I do think that unfortunately you know it seemed like he had authority on this issue even though Beto responded well I'm just sort of talking about the optics of
5: the situation. Well, to be
4: fair, it was the, one of the last questions of the debate, so it took him the whole hour to actually seem like a competent person, yeah. uh, which is which is a shock <laughs> to all of us, of course, uh, knowing his policies. I wouldn't even say seeming operates.
0: like a competent competent person is a stretch. <laughs> well, seeming like a, <laughs> seeming like a
4: person is enough, right? Mm, you know,
0: I don't know about you know, that. Either.
4: Seeming like a, like people, <laughs> you know, because he's he doesn't
5: seem like people to me, like people I know anyway. Yeah, to me, the big takeaways on that was one, housing is a big issue, and two, why don't we expand Medicaid and why don't we legalize? Medicaid? marijuana like uh, just no, that's as basic point, yeah. questions those are all really big things here oh, just think about the opportunity just that's really the the kind of the summation i think of a lot of
4: the back and forth between the two one is possibility the other is we're doing what we can you know it's like everything like if you shrugged a shoulder and as no. with every response you gave or not violently attacking it to your credit um no
0: Sam, it's ahead, like, you know, one is look, look at all the things we could do. And Abbott responds by like, well, it's not my fault. It's like, well, whose goddamn fault is it? Then? <laughs> right,
5: right. Uh, well, one uh, is forward, one
1: is backward, it seems to me. You know, we're, 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 right. we're, gaining, we're gaining ground and gaining, you know, innovation on one side. And we're losing ground and losing rights on the other side.
5: Let me go back to one other thing on on, uh, Medicaid expansion and marijuana. I'm like a broken record on these two issues. Medicaid expansion is supported by a majority of uh, voters in Texas. Medical marijuana, medicinal marijuana is also supported by an overwhelming majority of Texas. It's like 78, 79% legalized. Marijuana is supported by a majority of voters in Texas. Like the support is there. What's the problem? I feel like Jerry Seinfeld. What is the deal?
1: The deal is he's pandering. You know, he's ha- as he has to. They've uh, they've leaned on the the momentum they can draw from their far right fringe, and the far right fringe are are too busy with Bible study to even think about the benefits of, of of legalizing marijuana or doing any of these other things. And so, you know, the the bootstrap crowd is not into the help apparently.
5: They might be surprised how many people in Bible study are. Uh, yeah, I think so.
4: I think maybe uh, so. Doing some weed, and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> really. And really, like it—the whole tone of the Republican leader, governor—is that like he's scared. You could tell. You could tell that he's kind of like the polls are in his favor, as it were. But I mean, it's still a one-point game, a single-digit game. He does not look like he wants to do this race. Like he's really like I don't think he's confident. 100% 100% as much as you should be as an incumbent Republican in Texas I really think that Beto is really starting to get to him because of just all the things he's trying to do all the people he's trying to reach and Abbott really isn't trying to reach new people it's a real challenge
0: what was it that gave it away Sam was it the empty auditorium was it a Friday night
5: debate
0: <laughs> what, what piece was it where it clicked um, no, I mean, I completely agree. And I also just want to, you know, reiterate that if you fo- if you follow Progress Texas's Twitter account, which you absolutely should, it's at Progress Texas, um, Emily and I were doing rapid response. And after the debate ended, we tweeted about this. But we were sitting there kind of evaluating, um, you know, a drink or two in. Um, we were sitting there evaluating <laughs> the debate. And we were saying to each other, you know, Abbott's performance actually... Could have been bolstered if he hadn't taken this weird non-incumbent approach like what if he had yeah. actually admitted that things weren't perfect and he had said we have work to do here but I look forward to doing this differently we we're like what is the deal and then we remembered that he wants to run for president so he's yeah. never stopped running to the right and he will never stop running to the right this is just the beginning it's never going to get better from here with him because he wants to be president and he is taking a leaf out of the Trump out of the Desantis out of the Tea Party playbook, and he will never stop becoming more extreme in order to achieve that goal.
5: Uh, one of the things we did not have in our uh, in the recorded clips that we've included in this podcast was the reporter from the Dallas Morning News, Gromer Jeffers, asked uh, the governor twice, "You've been governor for seven, going on eight years, yet you're complaining about all of these problems." why should someone vote for you and then he just the governor went on some sort of rant so gromer came back and he goes okay but i'm gonna ask you one more time you've been <laughs> governor for seven nearly eight years like isn't this your problem and you know Beto uh, just piled on he was like look the buck has to stop somewhere because throughout the debate abbott just kept blaming other people and they even asked mm-hmm. him one time they brought they played the clip of you, it could have been worse. They asked him about that and they said, well, what, what, what happened when you said it could have been worse? And he was like, oh, people were lying to me. And they said, well, who was lying to you? And he goes, oh, everybody, like people who were standing around me on that stage and the cops. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, all the, the cops, cops.
3: Lying? Yes. Wow. He,
5: well, also, and I wrote this in cursive in my notes. He throws the cops under the bus. (laughs) It just seemed like such a poetic thing. Like, are you kidding me? Like, are the cops watching this? They've all endorsed him. And then he just said, oh, well, they lied to me. And that's why I said that.
3: I don't... I also don't understand how that excuses you saying it could have been worse. Like, it doesn't matter what they said. You still said that.
1: Well, just desperate to spin it in the most positive way possible, you know. know,
3: (laughs) I mean, that was half of
4: his questions. If you go back, I know we can talk about, if go back and watch the debate, it's on YouTube, it's elsewhere. But every response Beto had was like, uh, every uh, response Abbott had to Beto was like, well, first off, hold on, he's a liar. Like, he always tried to reframe what the <laughs> facts were Beto was saying factual things he's like hold on Beto's lying again It was really sassy to be honest and then the fact check shows that he wasn't lying right <laughs> and then he'd have 10 seconds to answer the question and then he'd get cut off and now he's like incredulous because he's like oh they're cutting me off they won't let me answer it's like no you're not answering the question when it's asked to you guy yeah can you're, I always, you're trying to reframe
0: make a point there I th- I was glad Ed brought up Gromer jeffords because I think the moderators did a great job for the most part on this debate and one thing I will say is with both candidates they looped back when the candidate did not answer the question. They yeah. even did that with Beto. They asked him a question about his comment about taking away AR-15s. He did not answer, and they said, yes or no, are you going to do it? It right. was a great like way to keep them accountable. And even though you know sometimes both of them were sort of slippery – um i thought that was fantastic and i just wanted to shout that
1: out well again the uh, full debate is available out there on youtube and uh, perhaps we'll provide some links if you'd like to watch i think we covered most of the meat of it though and uh you know do we think just i'll throw this to the room before we wrap up here do we think there was a net gain here for beto or was it something that is just kind of buried or what do we think start with you emily do you think this was helpful to to beto
3: I mean, I think it was. He did really well. But the problem comes in when you say or like you see that not a lot of people watch debates. There wasn't an audience in the room. Um, It was a great way for Abbott to kind of hide Beto's positive and great responses.
5: Polling shows that Beto won the debate two to one. But like Emily said, if no one watches a debate, does anybody really win? Right. 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 Yeah. There was no viral clip. Right. That
4: said you know where Abbott did a bad response and there was booze, and you know Beto made a great response and everyone was like yeah I mean that was such a strategic move to not have an audience but such a and cut this out or put a hard bleep on it such bullshit that no one was there <laughs> It re- like you can't how are you saying you're for the people of Texas and the people of Texas can't be in a, like, it was like a thousand person auditorium? Yeah. For goodness <laughs> sake, man. Like, you chicken, it's chicken shit. And I and it, that's the biggest thing that bothered me because he would have been booed on every one of his answers and he did it intentionally and it's completely, I won't say the word again. That's the entire
0: think, Republican electoral strategy. They think property votes for some fucking reason. <laughs> um,. But I also just want to say that, you know, I don't think that Beto necessarily gained from the debate because of what Sam said, because Abbott didn't lose. I mean, yes, we can talk all we want about how what voters felt about the people who watched it, but because there was no viral clip, no massive Abbott slip up because Abbott didn't lose from the debate. I don't know if it was a Beto gain. I would imagine that it was just kind of neutral, but that's probably not the worst outcome for both candidates. I think Beto had the most to gain. Abbott had the most to lose. And neither of those happened, in might
2: opinion.
5: Add, let me add two things before we wrap. I went through and counted the number of times that Greg Abbott had brought up the name Joe Biden. Um, seven times in the first half hour. It almost seemed like he was running against Joe Biden because he is. Um, And what's really interesting is he talks about the need for Operation Lone Star uh, to respond to Joe Biden. I looked up when Operation Lone Star launched. Uh, they, They started working on it in February. They launched it March 6th of 2021. Biden had been in office for like five weeks at that point. Give me a break, right? So mentioned Biden seven times. Uh, Beto, similarly on message, mentioned the word failed or failure 14 times. So uh, that was kind of the theme for both of them early on the debate was uh, Abbott bringing up Biden's name and uh, Beto bringing up the word failure, which I think is pretty apt. By the way, if if all of you are looking, all of you listening want to see the debate, you can listen to the full clip or You can go back to the seven minute highlight reel or low light reel, depending on how you choose to look at it, that Sam put together that we've all interspersed throughout this podcast here. Uh, That'll be on our socials somewhere eventually soon, probably by the time this is live.
1: We shall indeed stick it up and uh, again thanks everybody for first for watching the debate uh those of you listening if you didn't watch the debate we hope you feel like you did watch the debate uh, the debate at this point uh ed espinosa sam gonzalez brett isaacs and welcome emily clark to the lineup great job today emily appreciate you very much thank uh, you this has been the progress texas happy hour y'all we appreciate your support as always please do head to progresstexas.org and follow us on all of our different social platforms uh, also make sure and subscribe to our email list lots of great stuff coming at you from that direction as do make sure and also leave us a review and a nice comment, uh, you know, five stars, whatever you can do, thumbs up, however that uh, fits into the way that you listen to podcasts. Again, appreciate your support and thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time on the Progress Texas Happy Hour. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at ProgressTexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.